We have a mute button on our new microphone. Thrilling. Thri th is that right? Thrilling. Cool, guys, welcome. Wonderful to see you here at St. D's. My name is Pat Allerton. I'm the associate vicar here. And uh, you join us in the middle of a series, not in the middle, at the beginning of a series in the book of Ephesians. And it's going to be an exciting time tonight. Who's got one of those flyers? That's what I need. Uh, one of those alpha flyers. Do we, do we have one? <laughs> Any in the Bibles? Excellent. So, guys, Tim mentioned that on... Um, Tuesday, about 50 of us gathered in here. We worshipped for a bit, uh, we prayed, and then we all headed out in teams, in our life group teams. To, we divvied up the streets across all of us, and in our life groups we headed out and took on the four or five streets we'd been given, and flyered them, giving an invitation to everyone that we could, to everyone that we came across, and to every letterbox that we saw. And we had mixed results, but... It was so exciting to do. I mean, one uh, friend, uh, Gideon, I don't know if he's in the house. Are you here, Gideon? There he is, hoodie. Excellent. He went over, he was on the Sullivan Estate, I think, and he was, went over to one of those block buildings you can't get in, that you need a, um, you know, a buzzer or a code to actually be let in, and he buzzed it. Because <laughs> he wanted to get in and hassle, or, I mean, invite everyone <laughs> through, through the letterbox uh, ways. So he buzzed someone, and they're like, hello. And he said, he said yeah, hi, I've got some post hoping that would be enough. But this guy, he wasn't being fooled, or girl. And he was like, post at this time. And so his next line, he did all he could. He's like, it's from God? <laughs> straight in. So away he went. So that was great. I had a mixed reception. Um, one, one girl near Parson Screen Tube leaving on her phone. I mean, you know, what? if you're anything like me, you go anywhere and you see someone with a flyer and you immediately try to be busy on your phone or divert your eyes or just divert your path just to get out of their reach. And suddenly I was that guy with the flyer trying to offload it on her. And she was on the phone probably to her boyfriend. And I went up to her, just biggest smile I could do, nicest, I'm normal, I'm a vicar here. Can I give you an invitation? Can I give you an It just gave me a look as if I was the devil incarnate, like, oh my gosh, about to rob her. So that didn't go well. Someone else, you know, slightly disheartened, like, do you want to fly? Do you want to come to a party? She couldn't receive it quick enough. She was like, yeah, what is it? I was like, oh, it's, party. it's an alpha party. Do you want to come? She's like, my friends told me about alpha. Yeah, when is it? Seriously, it's on, it's on Wednesday. Come next Wednesday. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. She's going to be here. She's called Frankie. And we're making a big deal about this because we feel it's important. One final uh, story was I was walking on the pavement. You ever get those moments where you're just walking along? And you find yourself walking at the same pace as someone else along the pavement. And it's, it's all right to begin with, but then it gets a bit awkward. And you're like, oh gosh, we're literally step in step. And you realize you've either got to accelerate and pull away, or you've just, just got to drop off and let them nose ahead. Um, anyway, I was side by side with this guy, and I was like, "Why, mate, you want an invitation? And his immediate response was, um, no thanks. But quick as a flash, he was like, what is it? What is it? No thanks, what is it? And for me, I think that just sums up so many people's response to the Christian faith, to the gospel, to an invitation to come to church, to come to hear about Jesus Christ. No thanks. What is it? And that's what I want to look at tonight as we look at our passage from Ephesians. What is it? What is the gospel? 
and I'm excited about tonight because the passage we're about to look at is one of the most powerful passages in, in the whole of Scripture. I know I seem to say that every time I preach, but it's because every time I look into God's Word, I am just amazed by it. I'm amazed by just the clarity of it, the power of it, the beauty of God that gets displayed in it. But this passage really is one of the clearest at distilling what the gospel is all about, what it is that God has done for each one of us, why the gospel is good news. And I want to share it with us tonight because, A, I want each of us to remember, to be reminded, perhaps if you're here for the first time, to hear for the first time why the gospel really is good news. But secondly, to be inspired, encouraged for our compassion in the depths of our belly, to be opened up to our neighbour, to our loved ones, to those who don't yet know Christ, who don't know the gospel. And right now, just close your eyes. I want you to bring to mind that person you love most in the world who doesn't yet know Jesus, who hasn't responded to the gospel. Just bring them to mind. Bring to mind your longing for them to hear the good news. And I want you to hold that person in mind throughout the next 20 minutes. 40. No, 20. <laughs> 20 or so minutes. Okay? Hold it in mind. What I want you to do now, though, is turn in pairs, or in threes, but mainly pairs, if you can, and I want you to just turn, and for 30 seconds each, share with the other person what it is that most excites you about the gospel, why you are so grateful for all that Jesus came and did. Everyone clear? So 30 seconds each. Turn to your neighbor and say why you are grateful, what it is that you're thankful for. <coughs> And switch around if you haven't, if the other person hasn't had a chance to share. Just bullet points. No waffle here. Okay, 10 more seconds. And can I just say it's fine if you can't think of anything, if you don't know why the gospel, if you don't, haven't accepted the gospel, that's fine. Sorry if this was a bit awkward for you. Okay. Cool. Everyone good? Everyone had a chance to share? Great. Great. So I want you to hold in mind that person. It's a good technique, isn't it? That loved one, as we look at this passage. Would you turn in your Bibles to page 1108, page 1108? Bibles on the tables, Bibles on the chairs. Everyone needs a Bible. As we look into this book, you will get revelation. You will be changed. 
page 1108. Okay. Before we read it, just a disclaimer. I'm feeling moved tonight about this message. scary and I've got in mind my brother my brother Will who doesn't know Jesus and everything I'm going to say I know is true for him as it's been true for each one of us here as it's true for the people you love because some of it is going to be challenging and some of it is going to weigh and burden on us but that's okay because some of the gospel truths they do weigh and they do hurt and they do burden us and they're meant to because this is a serious business so if we if we seem to pass pass through the shadows or the valley don't worry we will come through the other end in the next 20 minutes or so so you ready to go with me Ready to receive the load? You need to take a good stance. Ready to take the hit? It's going to be a heavy squat. Here we go. I don't know why I brought that in. <laughs> Chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and are the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Why is the gospel good news? I want to look at it in terms of how it impacts our past, how it impacts our present, and how it impacts our future. How does Paul describe those outside of Christ. How does he speak about us? He's speaking to the Ephesians who've come to a living knowledge of Christ, a saving knowledge. And he's writing to them, describing how they were. The context is he's just outlined how Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven and sits at God's right hand. He's displaying and describing the situation, the reality for Christ. Now he turns to the reality 
for the Ephesians and describes their past. And this, if you, if you like, is the bad news. This is the valley. This is what's been real for each one of us. And this is what is real for every person out there. Every person we sought to reach with a flyer, with an invitation. This is what is real for the loved one you've got in your mind right now. How does Paul describe those without Christ? Describe our past life? Well, three things. Firstly, we were dead. (laughs) It's a positive start. (laughs) Verse 1. As for you, Paul says, you were dead. (laughs) Enough said. You were dead. I don't know how that hits you. Whether you think, well, what? Really? I mean, honestly, I mean, I I thought I was doing all right. You know, I was in a bad way. I had lost my way a bit. You know, I was needed a helping hand, but I was quite a decent bloke. Um, People seemed to like me. I mean, surely, (laughs) surely I wasn't dead. But the Bible says of our situation before Christ and for anyone outside of Christ that they are dead. Not just floundering. You imagine a swimmer. You know, it's, the gospel isn't coming to people who, who are swimming well, saying, hey, you're having a great swim over there. Look, there's just a nicer pool or a nicer lagoon for you to swim in over here. It's called the gospel. It's Jesus. Come and swim in this lagoon. The water's water. The, the water's warmer. There's no sharks or anything. Come over here. He's not looking at capable swimmers. He's not even looking at swimmers who are just floundering, who've been doing all right, but they've got a bit out of their depth, they're getting cramped, they're slightly going, they're waving for help. They need a bit of help, but they can probably manage by themselves. It's not just for those who are slightly struggling. Paul here is saying that the gospel is for those who've got out of their depths, been attacked by a shark, and drowned as well who were lying face down in the water, stone cold dead. That's what Paul's saying here. This is what we've got to grasp. If we're to realize the heights to which God has taken us from the depths, we won't be wowed by all that God's done for us in Christ unless we realize the gravity of sin, the gravity of our situation. We won't be wowed by the glory of the cross, the glory of Christ, if we don't grasp that. And Paul says, he begins by saying, well, the situation was fairly bleak. Uh, you were dead. I, I don't know if any of you have ever met. Met is the wrong word. Been in the company of, seen a dead person, a dead body. Anyone? Just a few hands. So I, I had to do it. It's part of my training, part of my uh, ministry training. I um, had to go to a funeral home. I mean... <laughs> When you're training to be a vicar, you have to do some weird sort of site tours. You know, some of you in your work probably get to go to, you know, visit, uh, I don't know, a factory, see how your company's making stuff, or visit a company, go and audit something, stay in a nice hotel, go on a site visit. We get to go to funeral homes, and I once visited a crematorium as well. So it's a bit morbid, isn't it, if we're honest? Um, And I went to this funeral home, and it's got different rooms in which it's keeping people prepared for burial, prepared for cremation. And we had to go in, you had to psych yourself up, go into one of these rooms and just be in the room with this guy who was lying in a coffin, who was dead. But the weirdest thing about it was he looked fine, sort of. 
<laughs> I mean, they do amazing things. They use, they use a lot of makeup and a fair amount of blusher and uh, even a bit of a touch of lipstick. And this guy, you wouldn't have known that he just wasn't sleeping if you'd seen him in a different situation. So it wasn't until the end that when I'd let the sort of guide leave, I kind of just got a sneaky touch in on his hand just to see. I can't remember if it was a cheek or hand, but I probably went hand. I just did see what's, what's this like. And it was cold. It was hard. Why? Because he's dead. He was dead. And Paul here is saying, when the gospel came to you, you weren't doing well. You weren't even merely floundering, merely drowning, waving. You were dead. And you know, so often I think we feel we need to make the gospel more attractive, you know, that people aren't getting it because we're not making it sound interesting enough, or we're not making it shiny enough. You know, we think we need to put more effort in on our side. But Paul here is just taking the weight, the burden off us, saying, don't, it's not about that, although that helps. I mean, don't put them off with the packaging. It's the fact that they're dead. You see, if I'd said to that guy in the room, like, hey, we're just about to go and you know, have a coffee. Do you want to join us? It's going to be really fun. It's more fun than lying in here. You know, if I pitch, it's more fun. He's not going to come with me. You know, if I pitch, come out for some fresh air. It's, it's a little bit musty in here, if I'm honest. Come and get some. He's not going to join me. Not because he's not interested. Not because he just doesn't feel like it, but because he's dead. And I labor the point because we have to grasp that. Do we realize that? That before we met Christ, before we heard the gospel, we were dead. That the people we seek to reach with the gospel, the people whose hands we seek to put an invitation in, do we realize that they're dead and it's going to take a miracle to raise them? I mean, hands up if you shared in your testimony time just now about why you're grateful for the gospel. Hands up if you shared, because I was dead and now I'm alive. Anyone use the word dead? No, not, not many. It's not what we think of, but this is why we need to get to the depths, because this is Paul's first understanding. We were dead. It's pretty offensive. You know, you take that message to the person with the flyer outside. You say, here, can I give you, I don't know what I've done with it. Can I give you an invite? They're like, you know, because if you lead with, because you need to hear this because actually you're, you're spiritually dead, that might not go down so well. They'll be like, what are you talking about? Dead. I'm, look at me. I can dance. I'm, I'm an athlete. You know, I've got the mind of a scholar. You know, I, I can do what I like. I'm fully alive. I'm living life to the full. I'm, I'm living in my prime. So many of your friends will be. They look alive. But Paul says, they're actually spiritually dead. They're as dead and unresponsive to the gospel as that man in the coffin is to my invitation to come for coffee. That's why we need the gospel. Because people are dead. The second thing we see is that um, we were slaves. Second piece of... Good news tonight. 
the good news is this is your past. If you've accepted Christ, this is your past. This is where we were. We were dead. We were slaves. Paul says, in which you used to live. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. That transgressions means crossing a line deliberately. You know, we know we cross a line. Oh, I'm going to do it anyway. We sin deliberately. Sins means falling short. We may give it our best effort, seek to hit the target, but we just fall short. We fail. We're rebels and failures. And those transgressions and sins, Paul says, were what we used to live in when we followed the ways, and goes on to list, the world, the flesh, the devil. When we followed their ways, he says, all of us also lived among them, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. Cravings. Following the ways of the world, the flesh, the devil. Powers that are greater than ourselves. The world out there thinks it's free. The Bible's word says they're slaves. What do you believe? Because if we don't believe that people are actually enslaved, trapped in a dungeon, under the devil's control, if we don't believe that, then we won't be moved with compassion to do everything in our power to get them under the good news of the gospel to get them to hear about Jesus. Am I making sense? Are you hearing this? And what Paul says is, we were slaves. We used to live in this way. We used to follow the ways of the world. The Bible talks about the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is the system all around us that no one seemingly is, is in control of or pulling the strings of, but it, it just comes about and it has its own morality and it seems to be set against the purposes, plans, and will of God. And it's just sort of in the ether, it's in the atmosphere. It's just the ways of the world, the values of the world, which war against us and war against the church and all we're called to live for, to stand for. That's the world. And Paul says, those outside Christ live this way. They follow its ways. They can't do anything else. The world may think they're free, but they're not free not to sin. They're under the world's power. They're under the devil's power. Following the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Ruler of the kingdom of the air? Satan. A fallen angel. <laughs> I love how crazy our faith is. Don't you love it? It's just mental. We believe in a fallen angel, a devil, who sort of flies around somewhere in the atmosphere. Ruler of the... What is he? Ruler of the kingdom of the air. Absolute swine. But he's in control. He's, he's at work. And he has millions of fallen angels with him, millions of demons who are operating to influence, to energize the sinfulness within us. He's pulling the strings. He's influencing the world. Our battle is against the world, the devil. But Paul also goes on, it's against our own flesh. The problem is, is not just without with the world. It's not just beyond with the devil. The problem is within. Within ourselves. Within every human heart. Paul says we used to gratify the cravings of our sinful nature and follow its desires and thoughts. We all know what that's about. If you're human, you know what it is to have a desire or a thought come out of your heart, flow from seemingly within you that you know is not godly. Maybe you come here tonight, maybe when Tim was praying earlier, you were just like bringing that to the Lord. Something 
that you know you shouldn't have done, know you shouldn't have said, know that you should have done, should have said. Stuff that just comes from within us. That's what the Bible calls the flesh. And our battle is against the world, the flesh, the devil. Our flesh would seek to, to say we're king, to seek, seek to stroke our e- ego, say, you know, you're acceptable. Of course you're fine in God's sight. You're not, you're not a slave. You're not dead. Of course he's a big fan of yours. Everyone is. Hey, go Pat. You hear that voice? That's the voice of all three, actually, but it's also the flesh. We have pride in ourselves. And sometimes they all mix and match. They all mix in together. I heard of um, a story of a little girl who... Uh, she was playing in the sitting room with her brother. She was six, he was five. She got annoyed with him, and uh, so she kicked him in the shins and pulled his hair. And she went, and, you know, the little brother went and told, told their mum, you know, Sheila just did this. And the mum came in and was like, Sheila, what, you know, why'd you let the devil persuade you to do that? And she almost proudly looks up at her mum and says, well, um, no, uh, the devil told me to kick him in the shins, but Pulling his hair was my idea. <laughs> Thank you. They often mix in together. We think we're free. The world thinks it's free, but they're not free, actually, to live the life that deep down they want to live. Because every heart wants to live the life of the kingdom, the life of the gospel, to be free, to live a godly life. But they're not free. They face these powers. They face this opposition. We face these cravings. We even battle with it today. The good news for us is we're free. But we need to hold that in mind when we're inviting our friends, when we think of their situation, when they look fine and say, hey, I can do what I like, when I like. I can go where I want, when I please. When they look so free, when they look so full of life, do you remember that they're dead? Do you remember that they're slaves? Thirdly, Paul says they're dead, they're slaves. And before we heard the gospel, before we responded to Christ, we were, he says in verse 3, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I've condensed that to mean we were going down. No other way to say it. We were going down, we were condemned. We were facing, well, wrath. It's a Bible word. It's a kind of weird word. What what does it mean? Well, a couple of things wrath doesn't mean. It does not mean disproportionate use of force. It's not unreasonable. God's wrath is not somehow like us losing our temper, losing our rag. I've had it with you. You know, throwing something at the cat. It's not just an overflow. Wrath, God's wrath, is his settled Rational, balanced, personal, righteous, consistent anger towards sin. And we need to be clear that sin will be punished. God is true to his word. And he says the soul who sins is the soul who will die. Sin leads to death, leads to wrath. And all who don't have Christ, Paul is saying. When we did not know Christ, he's saying to the Ephesians, he says to us, we were by nature objects deserving of wrath. We were in the crosshairs of God. (laughs) 
not great news. And I want you to hold in mind that loved one. Bring them to mind now, that person you want to respond to Jesus, to the gospel. Bring them to mind. And bring this truth to bear. That despite what they may say, despite how well they may say they're doing, the reality is different. The Bible, in God's sight, the Bible says they are dead. They're slaves. They're going down. Now that's the bad news. That's the valley we pass through. But we need to see it in order to see the beauty of what God's done for each one of us and what God wants to do for each one of our loved ones, for every person in this parish. Why it's important that on Wednesday night, perhaps we all come, that we all just bring one friend to the Alpha launch party to get them in, to get them under the sound of the gospel. This message that brings life. Why next Sunday it would be amazing to see this room packed, doubled. Not just a hundred of us, but two hundred. A hundred people who don't know Jesus. A hundred people who haven't responded to the gospel. Because the situation is dire. And this is the only way. We need to wrestle with the cost. We need to wrestle with the burden. If we're to be moved to cross the room, to invite a friend, to send an email to forward an event on Facebook. That's all it takes. That's all we can do. Say, come. Would you come? Would you listen? God does the rest. Only God can raise the dead. So in the face of that truth, we're dead. Those without Christ are dead. Slaves going down. Paul uses one of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture. He says, but, in verse 4. immediately following deserving wrath but and that is one of the most beautiful buts in the Bible there's no pun intended there don't, don't go there seriously oh my gosh the grace the good news that that but comes there after this bad news stop it Paul writes, but because of his great love. And now we're on the upslope. Now we're coming out. Now we're coming into the light. Because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy. And my gosh, does he need to show mercy to forgive us for what we need forgiving. And it's so hard in our generation. When we do, when we're a narcissistic generation, we all think we're splendid and amazing and we take another selfie because look how shiny I am. Look how amazing my life is. You know, look at me, world. Love me. It's hard for us to take this on board. Actually, in God's sight, we need mercy. Well, give me a break, God. Have you met me? You know, that's what the world's thinking. Paul says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. This is why the gospel counts. This is why it's important. Because we were dead, but now, in Christ, we're alive. What does that life look like? It looks like just being alive to everything in the universe, being connected to the source, to the creator, so we're able to fully enjoy every moment that we're in every relationship that we have, every friendship, every piece of music, every sight of nature, every, everything good and enjoyable under the sun. Our soul comes alive. We're no longer the dead body in the casket which needs 
life more than it needs a coffin. We are living, we are climbing out, we are going out into the fresh air, we're enjoying a latte, a coffee. We're taking off the makeup, we're living life to the full, we are alive. Because of the cross, because of what Jesus has done, because he came and took our death on himself. That's why we can be alive. We were dead, but we're alive. We were slaves, but we're free. Paul goes on in in verse 5. It is by grace you have been saved. One of the best translations of what salvation means is freedom. Freedom. We have been freed from the power of sin, the flesh, and the devil. All that would oppose us, all that would war against us, we are free of. Because Jesus on the cross broke our chains. He took our punishment. He rose again and he took us with him. And we have power now to walk in freedom, to walk in a different life, that we don't need to walk in the ways that we used to live. I mean, all of us will know just things we used to do in our lives, things we used to find that we were in bondage to. And if you're in that place tonight, we want to pray in a moment for you to know freedom, to walk in greater freedom. God, because of his grace, has brought salvation. And that salvation means freedom. Freedom for what? Well, look at verse 10. Freedom to be God's handiwork. Where before we were at the behest of the devil. He was like the puppet master pulling the strings with us. At the the behest of our flesh and the pressures of the world. Now we are God's handiwork. God is shaping us into a masterpiece. Do you know that of yourselves? For those who are in Christ, who've heard the gospel, we are God's masterpiece. He is shaping the likeness of his son in you. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You have a destiny. Each one of us has a destiny and that destiny is to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ, to walk in the ways that he walked. Can you imagine just walking out of here tonight, walking in a bit more generosity, walking in a bit more peace, walking in just a bit more love and kindness and joy, self-control, just not gripped by the same pressures that the world around faces. Able to walk in good works, to worship God in spirit and truth, to pray, to worship, to reach out in compassion, to turn the other cheek, to do works that just give ourselves away on behalf of the poor, the least, the last, and the lost. You have a destiny, and it's to live a life like that. You're free. And this is the freedom we want for those out there. This is why we give them an invite. This is why we send them an email invitation. This is why we fly at the whole parish. And finally, we were dead, we were alive, we were slaves, we were free. We were going down. But now in Christ, we've been raised. We've been raised up. Verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Where are you sitting right now? Yes, it's true. On one level, you are sitting on a wonderful padded chair, a new chair, St. Diana's Church, Parsons Green. (laughs) SW, where are we? SW6. 
you are sitting there physically but in your spirit the truth of what the Bible says is that you are seated with Christ in heaven you are seated in heaven can I get an amen for that? We are seated in heavenly places, which means we are free when the world would come against us, when the devil would come against us, when our flesh would rise up within us. We just remind ourselves, take a moment and say, I am seated in heavenly places. I am free. I am alive. God is my Father. I'm on a throne. And every spiritual blessing is mine in Christ. In a moment, we'll take a moment to just meditate on that truth. Because nothing will set you free quicker than reminding yourselves of where you truly are, where you truly sit. That is where you sit right now. You've been raised. And there's no power in heaven or on earth that can come against you. Does this sound like good news? Does this sound like something worth spending an hour or two flyering the neighborhood or just praying and thinking who to send our email invite to or Facebook event to to get them to church? Does this sound like good news? Because, my friends, it is good news and it is the only good news because it is the only way that brings life. That's our present, that we're alive, we're free, we've been raised. And our future... Well, our future is secure. Verse 7. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. What does the future look like? Well, the future is eternal. And Paul here says that whatever the ages hold, age after age, God is going to be all about showing the incomparable riches of his grace. Whatever we think we've received now, in the ages to come, we're going to receive even more. God is about just showering us with his goodness and his grace expressed in his kindness to us. What is God going to be doing for eternity? He's going to be showing his kindness to you, to me, to all who respond, to all who hear the good news and believe in faith, receiving the gift, because that's what it is, a free gift a free gift of grace that we access through faith. We hear the gospel. Jesus speaks the gospel. He raises the dead. And as we share our testimony, as we proclaim that truth, Jesus is still speaking his words. Just get that verse up, please, Steve. This is my final thing. How do we access this? having the past dealt with, living life to the full in the present, having a secure future where God's kindness will be poured out on us for eternity. How do we access this? Jesus tells us, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word, hears my word and believes him who sent has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Why do we want to get people into church to yet another event, yet another Alpha course, to yet another guest Sunday with a Kaylee and a hog roast next Sunday? That is going to be awesome. Why do we want to get them here? Not because we want them to do a Kaylee, you know, or a hog roast, you know, tasty as it is. We want them to come because we want them to hear the gospel. We want them to hear the words of Jesus. We want to give Jesus the chance to speak to them and say, I'm choosing you. Rise. Rise from the dead. Come into life. Come into fullness. Let's stand together.
want to give us some, anyone here a chance? Who perhaps you don't know if you have responded to that invitation. If you've received that flyer from heaven, the gospel. You don't know that you've made it your own. You don't know you've RSVP'd, that you've said yes. But you want to tonight. You've, you've heard the good news. You want to receive it. I just want to make it possible for anyone here 